0: Hey, you're listening to Podcast Rewind with Erica Jarvis and Amy Randolph. This is the podcast about all of the podcasts that we just can't stop listening to. Enjoy!
1: Hey guys, welcome to episode 10 of Podcast Rewind. I'm one half of your hosts, Erica Jarvis, writer and creator of the blog, My Revamped Life. I'm
0: Amy Randolph, the other co-host of Podcast Rewind. We're here to talk to you about
1: all our favorite podcasts. And we just really can't stop listening or talking to them about them, and it's a holiday season, mm-hmm. so there have been lots of times in my room wrapping presents, listening to podcasts, and getting excited about listening to more. Absolutely. So it's Friday right now that
0: we're recording, but we're going to release this one for you guys on Christmas Eve on Sunday on our normal drop day. So hopefully you are all having a wonderful time with your friends and loved ones. Celebrating Christmas and maybe you're listening to this Christmas morning after you've unwrapped all the presents and the kids are playing and you just gotta have your podcast. Yeah, and stay warm with a podcast
1: or two and maybe a drink or two.
0: A drink or two. Let's talk about drinks. Let's talk about beverages. Let's talk about it. So. I had a late night out last night. <laughs> not gonna lie, but in the spirit of the podcast and in the spirit of Hair of the Dog, yep, I am having
1: coffee with some Irish cream. Very lovely. I am having some iced coffee. I got a call from my dad earlier this morning asking if I could go run some errands for him here in Orlando. So uh, I gotta, gotta stay a little sober for you this drive, one. Driving. Over. I gotta drive round out those Christmas gifts. Um, he called me from. Like a store in St. Augustine today, and I was like, Oh, how many other men are there with you? He's like, Oh, it's packed wall to wall. You have no idea what they're doing. <laughs> oh men.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Always such Johnny on the spot on top of things. Right.
1: 36 years in, and he's still like, I don't know what to do. Oh no. So funny. But yeah, so we are gonna caffeinate ourselves for this mm-hmm. off-cycle podcast recording. Right. So, Amy, with your coffee in hand, is there anything that you're excited slash obsessed about? Yes. Go for it. I'm about to make you ridiculously jealous.
0: Okay. So, I was out last night, like I said. Uh-huh. I was at a bar with a, a good male companion friend of mine. Uh-huh. And we have been to this bar before, he and I. It's right around the corner from our apartment where we live. Okay. It's in uh, Davenport, Florida, Ooh. if you will. Uh, good old Polk County. Mm-hmm. Um, so, we've been to this bar before and we walked in and we're like, it looks different in here. And... But, like, why? What's going on? Come to find out. This bar was an episode of one of your favorite shows. <gasps>
1: oh, I'm so yes. jealous. Bar Rescue, Rescue on
0: Spike.
1: Fuck, I'm jealous. Okay. Can wait, you tell me what bar it is?
0: I, okay, so it used to be called Lucky Leprechauns. Oh, my God. a Yeah. Up by Posner. Yes. Right. It's now called Lucky's Corner Pocket, and it's all about, like, pool. Uh-huh. Here's the thing. We had way less fun there last night than we had in the previous. Oh, no. Because it's like a washed out version of what it was. And it was a dive. And so Ew, it, my, It's disgusting. It and the mirror's on the wall for and some I, reason. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm they're gone. The mirrors are all gone. Well, it's a little creepy to watch yourself drink, but yeah. But it also, it looks so much smaller and it oh. looks less fun because I, I was actually really disappointed in the makeover of it because like... They tried to make it look, like, hip and fashionable, but the area Uh. of town is not (laughs) hip and fashionable. And also, they failed. They didn't actually do all that much. They basically painted the walls and slapped up some, like, different decorations. But the bar is still the same gross old bar. Really? The chairs are still gross. The floor is still a sticky mess. And I don't know how long ago the episode was shot, so I don't know. I know that they, like, were doing a bunch in Orlando. Yeah, so if, here's the thing, he and I, this guy that I was out with, we, like, dive bars, like smoky, old, nasty bars. And, you know, there's kind of some charm to that. And it's like they took this place and they took out all the charm, but the clientele remained the same. You know, like there was one guy that was so drunk last night. He was stumbling around and he just kept trying to hand us like wads of cash and we were like yeah no, i take it I don't, well i don't know what i was bartering for or like <laughs> what you're exchanging what, what we were exchanging or like if he was trying to get us to pay his like bar tab with it like, we didn't know and in fact this guy i almost hit him leaving the parking lot because he was wa- weaving around in the parking lot so drunk he literally jumped out in front of my car oh, thankfully i had my wits about me enough to stop but what um, question,
1: did they say like, oh yeah, we were on They the didn't bar it's rescue? not it's not like
0: on um, you know the wall, but I did hear the bartender owner um talking to another guy because I think somebody was in there like, why is it like this now? And he's like, Oh, we were on bar rescue. And so then the guy that I was with and I like we pull out his phone and we start Googling yeah. like or YouTubing sections of the show. So we were like watching them and, like, looking around the bar and, like, trying to hide it because the bartender slash owner kept coming over and, like, you know, very personable and, hi, what's Uh your name? I'm Roger. I own the place. (laughs) Uh, Which turned out, by the way, like I said, we used to get – we've been to this bar before, and this guy had one time tried to hustle us into joining his pool league and, like, bought us shots and stuff. He's the owner, turns out. Oh, okay. Um but anyway, I knew that you would love that story so because jealous. you love that show. And I it's right around the corner. Jack John Tapper was here. I just and love he hearing him. him
1: scream at people. Shut it down. Shut it's, it
0: down, yes. Oh, if you haven't seen the show
1: on Spike TV, you have no idea what I'm talking about. No, so John Taffert is, you know, is, Tafford. Is, <laughs> okay. Well, not a cousin of Jake Tapper. Nah, John Jake Taffert, Taffert is a basically world-renowned uh restaurant, like bar, bar guy, and yeah. just can go in and change things up and really pay attention to, like, okay, you've got a dive bar in this area. Um, the clientele around here, the median yeah. average, like, income, and figure all of that kind of stuff out and be like, no, martini martini bar's not right for this area, or you're doing it wrong. You have a dive bar. You should have a martini bar. Yeah. Changes everything up and generally helps people. Yeah.
0: Just think, like, Gordon Ramsay's, like, yeah. restaurant nightmares show. It's that, but this dude does it with bars. Drinking. So, yeah.
1: Nice. So that's what I'm obsessed with. Very cool. Well, I am just obsessed with the fact that it is holiday season. Mm-hmm. Um, we went and had a little Friendsmas yesterday yes. with one of our dear friends Beth, who crushed it. I may I say, I think she might have won Friendsmas she did this a great year. Great
0: job! I am sitting on my new Podcast Rewind logo to blanket. Yeah. So
1: she got us blankets, one that says Podcast Rewind, and like has our logo on it. And then she also got me my own for my blog, for my revamped life, Mm -hmm. but what I loved was the wine glasses she gave us for Drunkasode. For
0: Drunkasodes.
1: So now we have our own, you know, if we're chilly in the podcast nook, you can Mm -hmm. wrap yourself up in a blanket and sip out of your Drunkasode wine glass, but I'm really excited. Like I said, I've got to run and go get like a couple last minute things for my Mm -hmm. dad and spend the afternoon doing a lot of like wrapping gifts and stuff, but I'm excited for the holiday Mm -hmm. and what?
0: No, I was just gonna say we also have podcast plans. Don't forget.
1: Yeah, no, I know. I gotta check off quite a lot of stuff today, so um, I'm excited. And uh, my dad's birthday is Christmas Eve, so we always go out like all out, and it's his 60th, so it'll be a really good fun weekend. Yeah. And I might start doing this sober January. I feel like my liver's gonna hurt <laughs> getting through all of this. Well, continuing
0: on with like Christmas stuff, can I tell you about a podcast? Yeah, that be great. I listen to. So I. Um, this is again part of the How Stuff Works Network. I haven't talked about them in a few weeks, so uh-huh. like bring them back up. Um, this is a podcast called Ridiculous History. Okay, it's hosted by Ben and Noel. They're also hosts of Stuff They Don't Want You to Know and Stuff You Should Know. So these guys podcast like a lot. They spend a lot of time in front of their mic. But this episode was released this week on the nineteenth, and it's called When the Puritans Cancelled Christmas. Awesome. So this was a really fun one. It's it's about the ridiculous history of people who hate Christmas and tried to cancel it. Uh-huh. And then um, some other weird Christmas traditions. So um, this episode is like for the Grinches, they say. Like oh, funny. If, yeah. If you're not a big fan of Christmas, then you'll love this. So Christmas in the U.S., as we know it now, is a massive event. It's mm-hmm. like it's the end of the year. So much. There's spirituality, There's it's economically really driven, obviously, yeah. by the consumer market, and there's also a lot of emphasis on fun and family traditions and getting together, general merriment. Yeah. You know, like you and I participated in yesterday, yeah. and now we're feeling the effects today. Um, so Christmas wasn't always, obviously, this big of a deal. So I let's go back to 1620, uh-huh. the Mayflower comes over yeah. with the Puritans. Puritans hate fun. Yes. So... Actually, this Puritan movement, which was um, a bunch of folks separating off from the Church of England, part of the reason why, and they wanted to escape and, and come over to the new world and start their own culture, was things like Christmas. Yeah. They thought, you know, the revelry and uh, merriment was not okay. Don't like that fun. So they, when they came over here to, uh, to America, to Plymouth Rock, um, no Christmas, no Christmas. So um, one of their points is obviously like there's no discussion of how to celebrate Christmas in the Bible, and there's nowhere in the Bible that it says that it Jesus was born on December 25th. Nope. So they kind of take off Ben and Noah like, why do we think that Jesus was born on December 25th? And there are lots of different theories about it, but really, honestly, we don't know. No. But really what you can... If you and I've heard this before, I think we all have that this kind of end of the year winter solstice yeah. have been many pagan, uh, religion traditions previous. So basically, everyone kind of agrees that Christians use Christmas as a spin off, yep, you know, like okay, you guys are already doing like so. When the Christians are trying to go around the world and convert these pagan, uh, mm-hmm. peoples to Christianity. They're like, hmm, how can we convince them? What can we do? Yeah. And basically it's like, oh, you guys are a big end of the year party. Oh, we do too. Our Lord and Savior was actually born Uh at the end of the year. So stop like dancing around your little fire pit and come over here to the nativity. And let's put a tree in our house and on and on. And um, so then Christmas. Okay, but back to the Puritans. So they hated Christmas so bad that in 1659, they passed an official ban on Christmas. And anyone found caught celebrating Christmas in any way was going to be fined five shillings per infraction. So, like, if you were doing two fun Christmas things, you had to pay ten shillings. Not fair. Um, But in true tradition of any sort of prohibition movement, people, like, went underground and secretly were practicing Christmas in their houses and you couldn't be found out. So, like, can you imagine, like, secret Christmas? Like, shh. That's where secret Santa's come from, obviously. Everybody, like, (laughs) careful with the wrapping paper. Go slow. Don't make any noise. Don't crinkle that bow. Right? (laughs) Um, Okay. So then um, (laughs) Puritans, I wrote down, are playing the fun police. But that was only, like, up in the Massachusetts area. So it's down in Virginia. The Puritans that settle down there, they're like, Christmas is fine. Yeah. Come on, guys. It's the end of the year. Let's lighten up. Yeah. So it was just these Massachusetts Puritans, um, and people were, like I said, it wasn't even successful. People were quietly celebrating their homes. Probably the same, like, motherfucker Congress people that banned the thing were the ones that went home and celebrated with their families. Uh Just like nowadays with, you know, congressmen, they're like, let's ban gay marriage. Oh, but I got Uh, caught in a bathroom. It blowy. Uh-huh. Uh, okay, so anyway, that law was abolished in 1681 because it's just sort of silly. And also because so many more Europeans were coming, um, over. coming over to the new world and like, what? You guys don't want to fucking do Christmas? Yep. Nah. Nah, no, no, no. You guys, we're doing Christmas. Oh, there. yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. We're doing Christmas because no, they're Europeans. <laughs> <laughs> you love it when I do accents on the podcast. <laughs> um. So, but then going on, like, even after, like, okay, we can celebrate Christmas, it still wasn't what we know of it today. Yeah, like right? the red and so green. I even like even Congress used to work on Christmas all the way up to the late 1700s and into the early 1800s. Like December 25th was, yeah, a day, but maybe more like Labor Day, where uh-huh. some people are going to work and some people aren't. But if there's you know shit to be done, you got to go to work. Um. So it wasn't until 1870, actually, that Christmas was declared a national holiday. And it was also around that time that people started doing gifts because before that it was just gatherings and, you know, okay. family and, um, <clears throat> but the gifting, we give one of that, which all comes out of that frankincense, gold and myrrh yeah. that they gave, the shepherds gave Jesus.
1: So, so now I've got to buy Bluetooth headphones for everyone in my fucking family. Um, I know you like the Simpsons, but the family guy episode where they do the birth of um, Jesus <laughs> and the three <laughs> men come up, my brother one day in church, like we're like watching everything and he looks at me and goes. Gold, gold, what gold? I don't know, it's like frankincense. I'm in a sense. five dollar budget, man. This guy brought gold. There's always that one friend that's gonna, yep.
0: show up, yeah, show everyone up. Yep, that's right. So, um, so then they kind of went into just other weird Christmas traditions around the world. Um, do you have any idea what Krampus is? Why so, does it sound really? Familiar? Well, a movie came out a few years ago. Yeah. So the the guys, the hosts, were like, "Well, there was Krampus and and." Finally, like it got spot blown up, but everyone knew what it was before that. But it spot got blown up when they oh. put out the movie, and I was like, "Is there something I don't know about?" So I was yes. saying, I, that's why I'm asking you. So, okay, we don't know. We'll Google it later. Oh, okay. Um, so, Krampus. Krampus as like a underground. It's that movie. I think was really dark. Obviously, I didn't see it, but don't Google it now. We'll Google it later. Oh Do- yeah, that does look dark. Okay. See, <laughs> she's got to Google. Um, then there's also this custom in Spain called the poop log. So you have like a hollowed out log and you feed it every day, which as I started talking about this, I was like, oh my God, are people shitting in a log? No, you feed it with like candy and treats every day. But then on Christmas Eve, you put the log in the fireplace and it literally poops out everything that you've put into it over, like, and you have to feed the log or it gets mad at you. I'm just really thinking of Mr. Henke Weird tradition. Uh, (laughs) And then, I didn't know this, so Japan is, like, massively into KFC at the Christmas time. And also, I guess, in Japan, it's less of a Christian celebration. You mean Kentucky Fried Chicken. I do mean Kentucky Fried Chicken as KFC with the colonel, that guy.
1: Have they ever had sushi? It's delicious. right? (laughs) Um,
0: So, I guess, in Japan, though, Christmas is less of a celebration of the birth of Jesus and more like Valentine's Day. Like, it's a very romantic holiday. And the big thing is Mm -hmm. to order in... KFC, Kentucky Fried Chicken, and like they <laughs> did, not they said, "Is it a bucket of chicken and the mashed potatoes like here?" Yeah, you or gotta do you know the get, whole family style. Do, you know, do you get sushi in a bucket over there? I we um, don't know, but they they were gonna Google that one themselves. That funny. Um, and then like nowadays, this war on Christmas because there are some people out there with kind of that old Puritan belief of the uh, uh you know economically driven, consumer driven is what I'm trying to say, practices of Christmas are taking away, you know, keep the Christ in Christmas. Those He was people, never there to begin with. Uh, yeah, exactly. He wasn't born and he was probably born in the spring, by the way. Yeah. Um. So how it's still kind of, that war still kind of like rages that the yeah. virgins were originally fighting. This whole war of Christmas, or saying Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays. So the
1: fucking nonsense. Nonsense. If you want to tell me Happy Hanukkah, I'll be like, Shalom,
0: I'm like, hi, I'm like, right. whatever. Whatever.
1: So, yeah, that was Ridiculous History. Why the
0: Puritans canceled Christmas?
1: So funny. I actually um, posted a video on my Facebook wall the other day of one of my favorite shows slash podcasts, Adam Ruins Everything. Mm -hmm. And he did one very similar that was like Adam Ruins Christmas. Yeah. Put the Christ back in Christmas. And it was funny because the whole thing was done in animation. And as if they were all like the Peanuts characters <laughs> from like their Christmas story, it was really funny. But yeah, I didn't know about a handful of those things. But just like, yeah, people were canceling Christmas left and right for no reason other right. than having no fun. Yeah, why do you hate fun? Don't hate on fun. Seriously. Well, speaking of fun, yes, I took a chapter a little bit from your book today. I'm mm-hmm. doing. Um, I want to tell you about a podcast that I listened to from Stuff Mom Never Told You. Oh, all right. Yes. I saw this one in I knew I had to click on it. It's been, you know, in our guys for a long time, and we've talked about this stuff before, but can I be a feminist and still watch Trashy Reality TV? I think you can, because I do. <laughs> and that's what these... I'm fully supportive. That's what the girls were saying. So I know you've talked about them before. Mm-hmm. So two hosts. Yep. And um, what they were kind of talking about is, I have a busy work week. Can I just shut off for a couple minutes and watch my Trashy TV and not even yeah? care? And so, of course... Um, you have to remind me the one girl who hosted and we did the Judge Judy one. Bridget. Bridget was like, uh listen, my DVR is like Housewives, Judge Judy, Law and Order. And she was funny because she was like, if anyone is out there listening, I would really love to just do a recap podcast <laughs> on Law and Order. <laughs> I was like, Yes. I think they do. I'm sure there are a hand. handful. Mm-hmm. But so they went to go on and talk about like a while ago an Onion article came out and it was titled, Woman Takes a Short Break from Being a Feminist to Watch a TV Show for 30 Minutes.
0: (laughs) I heard someone else
1: (laughs) talk about that. Go ahead. They are like, it's so spot on. It's like, you know what? Um, From fighting the patriarchy and breaking the glass ceiling, I just want to kick up my heels and just watch a house flipping show for 30 minutes and ignore all of the terrible stereotypes within the show. Yeah. So that's what they were talking about, that like... That's just how it is. And, you know, nowadays women are 10% more likely than men to be a super fan of TV. So women are, you know, the consumers of television the most. And when they say super fan, they mean that it kind of equals to you're watching five hours more of that kind of television Mm -hmm. a week. So reality TV or, you know, cheesy romance shows, things like that. And so – They were just saying how that, like, when it comes to reality TV, it just washes over serious issues these days, and it's not the same it used to be, and we are going to ignore really heavy issues or stereotypes or conversations because it's just a juicy plot line. So, like, I guess on Real Housewives of Atlanta, one of the girls, Kenya, made a lot of very, like, racially charged, like, anti-trans comments. And it yeah. was just like, well, this is good drama. And it's like...
0: Didn't she get fired for that, though? She, I Did think... Did she get fired? It was... I don't watch it. No. It was Phaedra it was, that got Phaedra fired. Phaedra got
1: fired because... Of that she, video. Yeah. She was saying that one of the girls, you know, was... Her husband tried to rape somebody else or something. Right. Like, but we keep these, you know, characters on for episodes because it's juicy and there's a lot of drama behind it. And so they talked about, like, even in Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, we literally watched Kim have a drug and alcohol problem. Yep. And producers were, like, microphone in her face, like, asking questions. Yeah. Or um, that one housewife, Taylor, whose husband committed suicide. And then it became a plot line. Yeah. Like, are you kidding me? We – they're making money off of this and we are allowing them to by watching it. Mm Mm-hmm. And so she even, Bridget um, went on to say how it made her realize how far reality TV has fallen, if you will. Like, it's risen. It's the most popular thing out there right now. And she was like, not to date myself, but remember Real World Hawaii? And yeah. I was like, a hell yeah, girl, I do. And when Ruthie was about to get in the car and drunk drive, which the she producers. ended up doing, the producers were doing everything they could yeah. to stop her because they, they thought to themselves... It doesn't matter. Her safety yeah. is so much more important than a plot line. And they pulled her off the show and sent her to rehab. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, I watched that. Uh-huh. I remember. And it was funny. She even said, like, oh, I saw Ruthie later on in college doing, like, a speaking tour about, like, being healthy and treating yourself right. And I was like, oh, I saw her, too. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we must be the same age as these hosts. But they kind of go on to say, like, are we normalizing this behavior and telling them by continuing to consume and watch these shows, we want this and we're okay with it. And so, like, are we contributing to something harmful? So then they kind of bring out some stats that, like, 47% of young girls and women watch reality TV regularly. Okay. 30% watch it often. Mm -hmm. So, like, you've got almost... Almost all of us. Almost all of us. And then they say that of those percentage of women, 86% believe that these shows do pit women against one another. Mm -hmm. And they absolutely believe that that's what's happening. And then 70% of them say they really think that with that... We're telling society it's okay. So we really aren't doing right by any woman or young girls. And so they kind of talk about, and I know you'll get a little upset by this, but MTV, reality TV is upset. I feel like I'm being shamed about my shows. Oh, no, because I watch them too. It's a thing. And they were even saying it doesn't have to necessarily mean the reality TV shows of like Teen Mom, 16 and Pregnant, Jersey Shore, you know, The Real Housewives of Insert City. It's even on these flipping – you know, house shows and Mm -hmm. cooking competitions, women are still being portrayed in certain stereotypes and not in a positive way. And we're allowing it because we're like, I just want to shut my brain off for 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, they kind of go on to say that it is um, harmful, of course, but then in the same vein, how can we say like teen mom is harmful? Because like we're telling people like, yeah, it's hard to be a teen mom, but like, oh, she just had plastic surgery and they just bought this big new Mm -hmm. house. But then- in the same breath, 16 and Pregnant helped reduce teen pregnancies by, like, almost 6% one year. Yes. Like it made a difference. It made a huge difference. And for those that might not know, 16 and Pregnant
0: was a show, obviously, following 16-year-old yeah. pregnant girls, which these women have continued out, and they made a new show called Teen Mom. So they they 16 and Pregnant only followed them up through, like, the delivery of their babies, yeah. maybe the month after. But then Teen Mom shows their life. And what has gotten weird was they were all just regular girls from you know the Midwest or wherever yeah. that didn't have the economic means to support their babies on yeah. their own. And, and that's what reduced the pregnancy rate was girls getting see. to see the reality. It's not glamorous to be yeah. a teen mom. But then, unfortunately, all of these yeah. women now, having appeared on the teen mom show for years, are making a lot of money off of it. They're writing books and appearances yeah. and sponsorships. And so now it does look pretty glamorous. And are we erasing all the good we did with 16 and pregnant. Yeah. Sorry,
1: my own tangent. (laughs) (laughs) Just trying to tell yourself it's okay to keep watching. I'm going to keep watching. I have to know what's going on with Macy. Right? Like, I don't care. So then the girls went on to interview Jennifer Posner and she has a book called Reality Bites Back, The Troubling Truth About Guilty Pleasures. So she says that when we are sitting down and just being like, I'm just going to unplug for an hour and just watch my crappy, trashy TV, that we are unconsciously watching television and we are more susceptible to anything that kind of we see on screen. Okay. So bad stereotypes of, you know, women, guys celebrating the cool girl, you know, mm-hmm. women who have guy-like tendencies, watching football, drinking beer, having sex without feelings, you know, not caring about certain things. We are more susceptible to accepting it as well as commercials and any kind of just like gender stereotypes that are pushed through that show. Watching it in that unconscious state makes us more agreeable to it. So the girls were like, how do I consciously watch TV then? Like, do I get mad? Do I – what do I do? And the girl was just like, there's not much you can do, but you need to be aware of it. Like, it's fine. Like, I even watch trashy TV too. And she went on to say how for her books, she used to transcribe lots of different reality shows and see, like, the trends. So, Mm -hmm. for example, she said how she is – beyond not surprised at anything that the president currently says because she would transcribe 10 years of The Apprentice. And she was like, I can see his pattern. And the way he speaks about women and all of these things all cross over one another. And then she goes on to talk about how, like, if you ask somebody right now, do you think reality TV is real? What would you say? I know it's not. I know it's
0: overproduced.
1: But, so then, like, what do you think of Macy on Teen Mom?
0: Well, and I, I do think there's a different level <laughs> on different shows. I I have seen things that yeah. I know are very produced. Well, conversations, yeah. And I've seen things that have actually, no one could have predicted were going to happen while the camera was rolling.
1: Exactly. So what she's saying is like, you know it's fake. Mm-hmm. But then you also have a complete understanding of who these characters are. And you know that things oh, can change. Yeah. So it's like, I think that, you know, Rihanna on Vanderpump is a huge bitch and blah, 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 blah. blah. But I also know that show is fake. But I still have a very... Permanent feeling and reaction to these characters yes. as if we do really know them, but we've been forgetting that conversations are dubbed. Like we talk about it all the time when you're watching Bachelor in Paradise and you see, you know, Claire crying to a raccoon and TV is being spliced <laughs> God, together. It was so and, good. So you know, good. when somebody's getting a phone call that their dog just died and you see them crying, but later they're fired on the apprentice because they were caught crying on the job and yeah. they splice everything together, splice totally different conversations. We know all of that. Yeah. But that doesn't mean I think that Sheena's a nice person on Vanderpump Rules. Exactly. The editing machine
0: is real. I know that we all agree who the villain is on all these different reality shows because we were edited and made to, Uh they were edited and we are made to believe that because the producers took all of the wealth of film that they had and they created the story that they wanted Mm -hmm. me to see. Yeah. So I also think that Sheena is (laughs) terrible. I think Katie is an evil whore. (laughs) Right.
1: But when it comes back to the editing, maybe she is nice. Like we don't, maybe, know. I don't know. They didn't show me that part. How no. So they had a, like, a really great conversation with Jennifer. But one of the things that really popped out to me was her talking about the Bachelor and the Bachelorette. Yeah. And how it is probably the worst thing that's ever happened to women. <laughs> <laughs> and how this franchise—it hurts. hurts, cuts deep. How this franchise has been on for a very long time. Yeah, it's like one of the longest running dating kind of shows. And how in the beginning it was a cattle call for women hey, mm-hmm. sad and alone, you can't find anybody? <laughs> you want to come try to maybe come see if this guy will love you, but you've got to compete for all of these dates? Mm-hmm. And how she said that, you know, with these shows, she's definitely gone back and done the transcribing and seeing the same things over and over again. Almost every single woman who's 24, beautiful, still has so much of their life ahead of her, always says, I just don't want to die alone. Yeah. What's wrong with me? Why can't I find love? Because we're being convinced through these shows well, if you don't have love, you're sad and alone, and you shouldn't be happy, and that you will die alone. But that's actually not true for so many different reasons. And so she said the interesting thing is these women are beautiful and complex and, you know, smart, but they just have this, you know, I need love complex. Meanwhile, the guy is kind of not the cutest. Yeah. He's a bit
0: dull. Especially in those first few seasons.
1: Exactly. And she said that they would do, you know – These beautiful overnight dates and helicopter around France and these, you know, gifts and stuff like that to make up for the fact that the guy was fucking dull. And (laughs) to why these don't work in the end is because once you get home and the limos stop Uh and there's no fancy dates and champagne all the time. Roses. You're looking across the table like, oh my God, what did I do? You kind of suck. You suck. And so it was such a great conversation to hear like, yes, fight the patriarchy, be a feminist. Okay, if we're going to still watch reality TV and we can, we need to be really, really conscious about it and, yeah, consciously watch TV, which is so difficult, and try not to absorb the messages and fight it all, but... At the end of the day, I'm still going to fucking watch Holiday Baking Championship on Food Network because I need to know. And Jesse Palmer's a host and he's attractive. And my one friend and I will Snapchat each other like anytime we're watching it. Like it's so fun and just like I don't want to have to turn on CNN and cry. Yes. What's the lesser of two evils? Is it the news or is it Real Housewives of New York? All right. Well,
0: with that question looming. (laughs) You want to do some pop-ups? Yeah, that'd be great. Um, Let me pop up something for you. Well, I'm going to save this one because it's another feminist and let's just talk about something else. Let's talk about murder. Sure. Um, I wasn't going to talk about them, but I just listened to it last night and today, My Favorite Murder. I Uh know I talk about them all the time, but they just put out their 100th episode. That's so exciting. It was really exciting, and it was a fantastic episode, too, because for the first time ever, they did their case together.
1: Oh, nice. And
0: it was about a documentary, well, a case that um, several shows have been on about, but was recently on Netflix, a documentary called The Staircase. Oh yeah, Yeah. yes. I've read a bunch of stuff about it before. Yes, yes. There's lots of documentaries out there, and like 48 Hours episodes and things. I haven't watched. Um, This is the death of Kathleen Peterson, Mm -hmm. who, uh, according to her husband, he found her at the bottom of the stairs. She fell down the stairs. Yep. Oh really, Michael? Then why was her head hit seven times? (laughs) Yeah. So uh, it's a the, the staircase on Netflix. I've watched before, and it's. Fascinating. Yeah, I highly recommend that. But they took that case. So they took the documentary and they took some other mm-hmm. documentaries and articles that have been written, and they did the case together. They kind of argued with one another too because oh, nice. they've never done a case together before. Yeah. Uh, and also, the episode was so much fun because they started it off eating like a Carvel cake together. Yes, Carvel, which are delicious. But they were also Fudgy the Whale. They were fully. <laughs> Talking with their mouths full, like their mouths, and it made me go back and watch that SNL where Tina Fey goes on uh, weekend update and eats the sheet cake. Yes, because she's like fuck everything. Yes, um, and I had forgotten that if that was in response to the Charlottesville white supremacy. Yes, riot, you're right. Um, because because there's so many dumpster fires in 2017, yeah. I forget which outrage is which uh-huh. sometimes. I hear you. Um, but yeah, I went back and watched that video, so that one gave me a laugh and. To hear my girls celebrate, and also uh-huh. it was their Christmas episode. Fun. It was good. Did they change your mind in regards to your thoughts on the staircase? Yes, they did. Yeah. And I. they also explained to me why. So when watching the documentary, I very much wanted him to get off for this. And I had a feeling that it was innocent. He was innocent. And they said they think that that documentary is actually very biased. Okay. And here's the thing. You... Spend so much time with his children yeah. who don't believe that he did it and love and yeah. miss him. when He does, he does get um, convicted, convicted, right? but then he spends, I think, seven years in prison before it's overturned and he's released. Got it. So in watching the documentary, I was glad that he was released and back at home. But there is another trial looming up ahead, okay. and so he might go back, and I didn't want that. But they explained to me that... You don't, when I watch most of the true crime that you watch, you focus on the victim and the victim's family. Yeah. But in this particular case, the because the victim's family is also the killer's family, uh-huh. and the, what the family wanted, I wanted for them.
1: Yeah, And I course. realized,
0: I did actually think he was kind of a creep, and there was a lot of shadiness about yeah, him. Yeah, because
1: there's a couple other murders or deaths in his past oh, yeah, oh, yeah. That, that are very, weird.
0: very similar
1: to exactly. how his
0: wife died as well. In fact, one is exactly the same. Another woman fell down the stairs with seven uh-huh. contusions on her head. So, I realized that I was emotionally manipulated into wanting to believe that he was uh-huh. innocent so badly that I did, and I just left it there. But when they opened it and unpacked it for me again, I was like, oh yeah, now he's fucking guilty. Yeah. And they manipulated
1: me. Oh, that happens all the time. Even with like a 2020 that you're watching, and uh-huh. somehow you're starting to be like, no, oh, I really hope he gets off. And they're like, guilty. Like, oh, I'm sad for him. Like, you know, he Wait, murdered. No, he probably murdered. murdered. Oh my yeah. God, what is happening? Yeah. That's so crazy. Well, I'm definitely going to have to... Watch the staircase because I've read a bunch of stuff about it, but I haven't read that or seen yeah. the documentary. So I want to watch that and then listen to the girls' take on it. Yeah, you should. Yeah, you should. I've got some driving to do for the next couple of days, so that'll be really good. There you go. But um But I know you are heading out of town. Yeah, and going to LA for the Christmas holiday.
0: I am going to go visit my family out there. Yeah.
1: So speaking of LA, I listened to a podcast this week from, doers like. Play on Facebook and you see um, like cracked pop up and they've got funny videos and things like that. Mm-hmm. It's cracked apostrophe D, right?
0: Crack. I think so. Plastrophe or without me, something oh, too weird yeah. spelled about cracked. it.
1: Cracked. Okay. Sure. So you can also Google the cracked podcast. Oh, okay. And so this is um, with the host Alex Schmidt and he comes on and talks about how he's really excited for this podcast. It's mm-hmm. totally different than what they've listened or what they've done in the past. So I have never listened to them before. I mm-hmm. sought this podcast out on my own. So I'm not sure how this is different. This was an interview with him and two guys, Scott Neustadler and Michael H. Weber. Amy, mm-hmm. they're the screenwriters of The Disaster Artist They ah, "Yes, The Room. This is our kind of overarching obsession yes. of the moment. Yeah, it's just the obsession of December. Yeah. So this podcast is called How The Room Changed the Way That the World Watches Movies. So they sort of talk about okay, that's, how a, that's, a, that's a big claim. It's a, yeah, okay. I completely agree with that. So The Room premiered in June 27, 2003. Written, directed, produced, financed, I'm starred. sure he did the costume starred yeah. by Tommy Wiseau. And we watched it a couple weeks ago. Couldn't tell you Ooh. what's happening other than it's a weird love triangle. There's sex, drugs, there's murder. Very badly simulated sex. There's everything you could want and never want in the same movie. Yeah, no. So So um, the guys were talking about Tommy and how... You know, they came to be the screenwriters for The Disaster Artist, which is based on a book by the guy Greg, I think it's Sistero, who is in the room and the book bounces. Like one chapter is like behind the scenes of filming the room and then the next chapter is the relationship between Tommy and Greg. Mm -hmm. So the guys were just talking about, you know, let's get started first. How did everybody have Tommy in the room come into your life? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) How did you find it? How How did did, you get there? How did the room come into your life? So they all just like had their own stories. But um, it's kind of well known that there is a billboard in Hollywood or in L.A. for the longest time that had Tommy's face just kind of like looking down on the city of L.A. with like a phone number. And these guys were like, we got to call this number. What the is it fuck still there? is this? I'm not sure. You need to take it out. Oh, I'll go look. Hold yeah. there. Yeah. So they call the number and fucking Tommy answers in the room. It's his cell phone number, isn't it? Basically, they're like, <laughs> hey. And so it's a number that you can call and um, Tommy would help you set up a screening of the room and be there. So he's still making money off this thing that Oh, night. of course. Of course. And we
0: found out when we were Googling when we got obsessed with the room that there are still midnight screenings weekly all
1: over the world. Well... Starting January 10th, coming to a theater near you, the room is back in theaters. (gasps) Holy shit. And so we've got to go because this is very, they were talking about, you know, they'd been hearing, like, these guys were like, you know, we wanted to be screenwriters, we're out in LA. We'd been hearing about this movie and how it had a very cultural phenomenon in the way that like rocky horror does like you see, see it as, as, just, gonna say, as an experience so because we're all gonna scream hi doggy!" together right <laughs> well so they say like you know there's all these long weird you know shots of san francisco to make you feel like they really filmed this in san francisco and so whenever there's a water shot i guess the whole audience goes water <laughs> and, and we have to google what the traditions are oh, so we'll be ready like if it's throwing bread or what <laughs> Give it a second. Oh, sorry. (laughs) So there's another one where um, anytime somebody opens or enters a room, they leave the door behind them, Uh which is... Goes to show how bad this movie is. Like, Tommy wasn't a good director and he made all these choices. So, anytime that somebody enters a room, the whole audience just goes, Close the door! (laughs) (laughs) And I guess there's spoons in the background of all of the scenes that, like, they're eating crap. Yeah, yeah. frame spoons, and there's just like everything. And that's why people throw spoons at the screen. So, it was really interesting. They were, like I said, they were just talking about, like, how ridiculous this movie is, and every choice that was made was purposefully made to be bad, like the butt shots that are not necessary, oh, necessary. and all of this kind of stuff. But so they decided for the disaster artist to scrap the chapters that were behind the scenes making, and really focus in on the friendship uh-huh. between Tommy and Greg, and like kind of went that route. And so said that, you know, they were writing for you know Seth Rogen and James Franco, and they're like those guys are so funny on their own. And, you know, with other movies that they've done together, it's kind of loosely scripted, but those guys are so good at improv, they can just take it. But this had to be scripted. Mm -hmm. So, like, it was so difficult, they said, like, kind of doing a more scripted film for these two hilariously funny guys, and all of their funny friends who are in it, too. Right. You know? So, um, they were just continuing to go on about, like, what it was like to film, and um, Tommy wanted, like, script rights or something. Not script rights, but, like, um, script suggestion rights or something and sure. they were like cool you can suggest and yeah. put that in your contract we don't have to actually listen to you mm-hmm. um, and so but they were all just saying how like Tommy's been in their lives in one weird way or another one of the guys was saying he was a script writer for um, a show I used to like on TBS Franklin and Bash with um, oh, yeah. Paul Gossler I watched a few of those yeah and so one of the guys one day was like oh yeah the script Guy over there is the director of the room, and he was like, What? I've been working with the director of the room for like two years and well, didn't know. That was Tommy. Tommy worked on the so, no, 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 there was somebody who actually was like the had to like be behind the camera. Oh, kind of okay. stuff. Like, you know, Tommy was everything, but he's there were the director other director credit though. Tommy does. There's a few, somebody, I think there are, yeah, obviously somebody's calling action when exactly Tommy's on screen, yeah. yeah. And okay. it was so this, like an assistant director, exactly. It was this guy who he would tell you, No, he's the real director, sure. So, all of this, well, he's terrible when, too. Yeah, none of them should be proud of themselves. The body's terrible. Yeah. But he's gone on to do like a bunch of stuff. And I, clearly this was like a new thing for him when he did The Room. Probably. And he's gotten a lot better now as like a script supervisor sure. and doing all of these things. Um, but yeah, so the guys just talk about what it's like to know Tommy. You know, um, when they originally brought it to like the Toronto Film Festival... Everyone was like, okay, cool movie. Why did James Franco have an accent? Like, I don't know what this is. Because if you don't know The Room, you don't know the movie. Uh-huh. So they were like, that was really good. Because now we went back and we put in, in the beginning of the movie, like, testimonies from celebrities of why The Room means so much to them. <laughs> and just, like, Kristen Bell for, like, two minutes, like, what The Room means to her to help set up if you've never seen The Room or don't understand it. It was funny.
0: You're tearing me apart, Lisa! Lisa.
1: Yeah, but so then they go on to talk about, like, their Tommy stories and how, like, you know, before they were going to some festival or something, the one guy was like, oh, you know, I see Tommy, like, pacing. Like, oh, Tommy, are you nervous? And he was like, I'm not Tommy. This is my ghost. And he was like, all right, man. All right, man, you do. You, you keep doing you. <laughs> he was like, he's a weird dude. Like, he says he's from New Orleans. He says he was, like, 20 when he made the movie. He won't tell anybody where he got the money. And they were like, you're a 46-year-old in this film, by the way. I think that... I miss- saw his ass. That man ate yeah. the whole yeah. spring chicken. That... That's
0: That mystery, I think, is part of the fascination of yes. the whole thing. Exactly. So,
1: But, yeah, it was like a 30-minute um, oh, yeah. interview with the guys. It was really Can't good and to, to hear listen. their behind-the-scenes stories. All right. Yes. So lots of podcasts to talk about. Yeah. And, you know, we're going to come back
0: next week for a New Year's Eve episode. Yay. with Even more podcasts to talk about. That's going to be a really exciting show. Uh, but let's wrap this one up for now. Yeah.
1: So, guys, I hope you're having an amazing holiday wherever yes. you are with your family. Don't forget to... Take lots of Instagrams of your gifts and your mm-hmm. holiday drinks, but don't forget to follow us on Instagram at podcast RWD or on Twitter, and you can find us on Facebook at Podcast Rewind.
0: That's right. You can take a look at what Eric and I are doing too with our family and friends over this holiday. You can find me
1: at I'm Amy Randolph on Instagram or Twitter. Yep, yeah, and I'm at Erica Jarvis. And so, guys, with that, have a great holiday. But don't forget, no matter what you do, to be, be kind and rewind. Goodbye. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays.